Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. If I had to pick one word to describe Min Jung Kim's passion for art, I'd have to go with committed, devoted, impactful, respected, lifelong. All right, so I lied. First of all, she is the director and CEO of Connecticut's 118-year-old New Britain Museum of American Art, which, by the way, happens to be the oldest such museum in the country. She's held that position since 2015. Before putting down roots in Connecticut, Min was deputy director of the Eli and Edith Broad Art Museum at Michigan State University. Then there was her work at the Solomon Guggenheim Foundation, where as part of its international expansion team, Min was involved in the development and construction of three museums, the Guggenheim Museum Bilbao, Spain, the Deutsche Guggenheim, Berlin, and the Guggenheim Hermitage, Las Vegas. During her more than 12 years with the foundation, Min worked on a number of major international exhibitions, including China, 5,000 Years and a Century of Crisis, Modernity and Tradition in the Art of the 20th Century, as well as Art in America, 300 Years of Innovation, which was the first survey of American art presented in the People's Republic of China. Min has a B.A. in Art History from Wheaton College and a Master's also in Art History from Courtauld Institute of Art, University of London. She also attended the Getty Museum Leadership Institute. Min is a member of the American Art Museum Directors and the National Endowment of the Arts FY19 Partnership Agreements States Panel. She is also on the Board of Directors of the New England Foundation for the Arts and the Connecticut Arts Alliance. So let's meet Min Jung Kim. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me on your show, and thank you for the most wonderful and complimentary introduction. (laughs) Does that give you pause when I rattle off all of your accomplishments? (laughs) <laughs> well, especially hearing it from someone else, um, it, it is quite remarkable that that I've had such wonderful opportunities uh, given to me to be able to experience all of these incredible things. So thank you for, for introducing me in such a way. Well, clearly we should be thanking you. So let's go back in time, Min. Where did your love of art come from? Hmm. Well, uh, I'm not sure if there is a specific moment in time um, or any kind of epiphany that I can point to, but I think it was uh, very much of an evolution over time. And um, I might sort of start out by sharing that I was born and raised in Seoul, South Korea, Hmm. and I first came to this country um, to pursue my undergraduate studies. As you mentioned, I I received my BA at Wheaton College in Norton, Massachusetts. And one of the the main drivers in wanting to come to study here in the United States was initially because I was very interested in pursuing a liberal arts education. Colleges and universities in Korea were and still are structured very, very differently where one needs to determine um, his or her major in advance. And the wondrous possibilities that exist in a liberal arts education is this ability to explore um, what is out there. And it is through that process that I discovered art history. 
uh, initially at Whedon College, a subject that I didn't even know existed at the time. And that has, um, to my great fortune, really opened up a world of opportunities and possibilities for me as well. That's so exciting when there's not a rigidity or regimen. Yes, absolutely. Although I have to say, when I first um, decided that, indeed, I wanted to commit myself to uh, art history, I, I do recall calling my father in Korea at the time to share this exciting news that mm-hmm. I was going to become an art history major. <laughs> and there was a long pause at the <laughs> other end of the phone call. <laughs> um, and I think as supportive as he wanted to be, his initial concern, what are you going to do with that? Um, you know, what kind of profession um, can you pursue with such a degree? And, uh, you know, it's been really a fantastic journey that um, my career has taken me and the ability to put to very good use all the studies that I've been able to uh, to have throughout this, this period of time. So I think in hindsight, he's pleased, but in the <laughs> beginning, I think sometimes wonder um, what kind of career track the arts will lead one into was perhaps a viable concern at the time. (laughs) I want to ask you, forget the academics for a moment, what was this like coming from South Korea into Massachusetts and and going to college here? Had you been to the States before? I had visited before, but this was, of course, the first time I was coming uh, on my own and living uh, on my own, uh, thousands of miles away. That's from a my big family. deal. I mean, that um, is a big deal, man. It was. It was. Um, you know, I, I also grew up in South Korea um, during the 1970s, and Korea was a very different country um, at that time than certainly um, the country that it has become. My parents had survived the Korean War, and all throughout the 20th century, um, South Korea was very much um, going through several transitions, politically, economically, and of course, culturally as well. And as it pertains to the arts, there was really not the strong infrastructure that the Korean art world enjoys today. So, you know, when I left, it was an interesting point Uh, in Korea's history. I left in 1988, which was also the year that um, Seoul had uh, hosted the Summer Olympics. And there was a loosening of international travel at the time. And so it was uh, really an extraordinary opportunity for me. But then Wheaton College, um, and I, to take a step back, I very specifically did not want to go to a large university. Coming from Korea, I really wanted a more intimate atmosphere. And Wheaton College was the epitome of a beautiful New England campus, um, a smaller size college, um, and a wonderful environment to be in. Um, especially to assimilate. But there was, of course, initially quite a bit of an adjustment. 
culturally and socially as well. I have to say, I, I, I read somewhere an interview by someone, and I'm, I, I feel terrible that I can't remember um, the name, but uh, another uh, person quoting their experience of having come to this country as a first-generation immigrant, saying that they were too Korean to be American and too American <laughs> to be Korean uh-huh. and not even Korean-American. Um, I think for for many years, especially when I first came here and throughout, that's been something that I've been very much aware of. But I also think that um, being bicultural and having um, different perspectives has also informed me not only from my personal point of view, but also in my professional life as well, um, particularly as uh, a museum professional and a museum director, where oftentimes we are addressing social issues, identity issues, all as it pertains to art. And so I am, am hoping that my own perspectives uh, are also contributing to this larger conversation that really involves um, so many different voices from different backgrounds and cultures and histories and heritages. Well, clearly, I would have to think that your grit and determination and strong sense of self have played very prominently in your social and professional lives. I hope so. I also recognize that it's it continues to be an evolving process. I have to say the one thing that I um, most love and enjoy about my job is that I'm constantly learning. (laughs) I'm learning from others. I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about the world in which we live. And to be able to see it through the lens of others and many um, is just such a wonderful field and industry to be in and a part of. So your undergraduate career is spent in Massachusetts at Wheaton College. And then how did you wind up at the University of London? And did you do so pretty much right after graduation? (laughs) Um, No. Actually, after I graduated Wheaton College, my hope and intent at the time was that I would continue to stay in the United States and pursue graduate studies. But as I mentioned, um, my family was still in Korea, and they were very eager to have me come back. And so I did. And it was a wonderful few years where I really began my career in the art world. Initially, um, I worked at Sotheby's in Korea um, during a really interesting time where there was uh, a lot of growth in the Korean art world, and in particular, growth in collections, both private and public. But the year, I think, for me was also informative in my having a better understanding that as much respect as I had for auction houses, that wasn't really um, my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. as interested in the commercial aspect of art, and my heart really was drawing me to more nonprofits and museums. So I, I worked at the Samsung Foundation for Culture as a um, assistant curator, which opened up um, another world of opportunities for me 
as a curator, developing exhibitions, helping to grow the collection. But years into that, I was still hoping to return to the United States and indeed go to graduate school. So at the time, I had actually um, applied and um, been admitted with a two-year full scholarship to the Williams College graduate program in art history. And um, I was delighted that I would be going back and in particular joining the Williams College art history program, which is uh, really one of the best art history programs in the country. But I got a little bit sidetracked um, by the fact that in that process, I was offered a job opportunity um, to come to New York and work at the Guggenheim Museum at a time of exponential growth, both programmatically and physically through the development of all of these museums around the world, including Bilbao and Berlin. And I joined the Guggenheim in 1996. And at the time, I thought, well, this is just such a a wonderful opportunity. How could I possibly pass this up? Why not defer my plans to go to school for a year or two? Um, But what happened actually in reality was that I ended up staying at the Guggenheim for almost 13 years. So it was much later in my career, and in particular as I joined the Eli and Edith Broad Art Museum at Michigan State University, uh, as you had mentioned earlier in the introductions, that I was uh, I was keen to at some point in time, if the environment allowed for it and the opportunities allowed for it, that one day I would like to go back and get my master's. Um, and Michigan State University was tremendously supportive, and so it was almost 20 years into my profession that I went back to graduate school and. It was um, a very special time because at that point in my career, I was going back to school not because I had to, but because I really wanted to. Right, right. Um, And to get that perspective, having been informed by all of the experiences um, that I was building and accumulating, and to have that combined with the rigor of these academic pursuits um, just gave me a very, very different perspective that I came to appreciate, not to mention being a professional and working, as we all may sympathize with, one rarely has time to read or to write or Uh to reflect and to be able to have this moment where Um, aside from the administrative and managerial tasks that we have day to day, to really focus on an area um, was such a wonderful luxury at that particular moment in time. But I was certainly the oldest. It was a humbling experience to learn how to communicate with many of my (laughs) classmates, (laughs) Uh, which I very quickly learned nobody emails or texts. (laughs) It's through social media. Uh, It was also, from a professional standpoint, another great way to understand our audiences as well and how 
people communicate and interact. So there were multiple, multiple learning opportunities for me that I gained from, from going back to school later into my career. What year was it that you came back to the States after you finished at the University of London? So I came back in 2014. You got your job as director and CEO of the New Britain Museum of American Art in 2015. Did they approach you? Were you aware that there was an opening? Did you want to come to Connecticut? I was approached through a a search firm, as many of these positions engage consultants to um, approach potential candidates. And um, I definitely expressed interest, knowing at the time somewhat about the New Britain Museum of American Art, but in um, not only researching and learning and visiting the museum, my admiration for the museum continued to grow. My first reaction was, what a remarkable permanent collection. The permanent collection is a reflection of the history and the narrative of American art and culture uh, through its history and up until um, the present day with a collection that starts the story um, from 18th century colonial portraiture all the way through to contemporary art, but with particular strengths in areas such as Hudsoner School painting, the Ashcan School regionalism, uh, American Impressionism. We have a fantastic five-panel mural um, by Thomas Hart Benton, which was first commissioned by the Whitney Museum of American Art when it was located in its original building on 8th Street that the museum acquired in 1949-1950. And into our contemporary holdings, we are thrilled to have um, a vast collection of Sol uh, prints. Um, Sol Lewitt was born in Hartford but raised in New Britain. And as a result, um, we have, among many of his works, over 1,700 prints wow. uh, by Sol Lewitt as well. So in knowing the collection and in knowing that this museum had um, significantly expanded physically through two major expansions, wonderful and beautiful facilities that could accommodate um, enough space to show its remarkable collection and its vibrant exhibition programs, I saw that there was also extraordinary potential for it to um, grow to even have even greater significance as well as relevance. And a big part of that was, on the one hand, really refocusing on um, its original mission and vision as it pertains to American art. And at the same time, asking ourselves a very simple question um, as an American art museum, what is American art? (laughs) Who are American artists? Mm -hmm. Um, And how do you identify that as a culture that represents a particular nation? And in doing so, um, featuring artists that are more a reflection of our community as well as the changing demographics of our country. 
that happen to be labeled as African American, Latin American, Native American, Asian American, Arab American, or as I like to just simply call it, all American. And as we developed our exhibitions and our programs to indeed reflect greater diversity and inclusion, it also shows the multiplicity of cultures and backgrounds and perspectives that is so wonderful about America and American art and culture. So both in knowing um, what existed as a strong uh, base and strong foundation at the New Britain Museum of American Art and imagining at the time what I might be able to bring to it and also learn from it was what initially motivated me to come to Connecticut and uh, to be a part of this great institution. I interviewed the director curator of the Museum of Women in the Arts in Washington, D.C. a while back. And she brought up the fact that I don't remember the percentage, but boy, is it low, of female artists who are represented in museums and galleries. Do you find that to be the case? Yes. Uh, I have to say it's, it's a bit disheartening on the one hand. Um, but on the other hand, um, I think that there remains further work and further actions that can be done to improve those statistics. Um, and as part of that, there are roles that we can all play as individuals and in particular as institutions. And so as it happens, this year at the New Britain Museum of American Art, for the entirety of 2020, we are dedicating all of our special exhibitions exclusively to women artists. But we're also doing it in, in the context of recognizing um, that this year um, is uh, a year um, that celebrates the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment, um, which both secured and guaranteed women the constitutional right to vote which was a major moment in the history of this country. And you know, nowadays, it may be easy to take equal voting rights for granted. But at the time, you know, the controversy over the ratification of the 19th Amendment and women's suffrage um, wasn't simply just a political argument, but it was also a social and a cultural and a moral debate about overturning centuries of tradition um, concerning gender roles. And it was a struggle that publicly ensued for over 72 years, beginning with the Seneca Falls Convention. So we recognize that 2020 marks a moment to remember and to celebrate what was accomplished on the one hand. But at the same time, it also presents a moment to reflect um, not only on how much um, has changed since then, but how much more work and more attention needs to be given to issues of gender equality. And unfortunately, the underrepresentation of women still very much persists throughout the 21st century, um, particularly in the field of art. 
And the data, as um, we were discussing, really show that there is an imbalance of sorts. And the population of the United States, you know, women make up half that population. And yet less than a quarter of women artists are represented in most museum collections, as well as part of solo exhibitions. So as an American art museum, I feel that, you know, we're not getting the full picture of American art if only half voices are being heard. Sure. And so we need to be more aware about the situation and also in many ways so as not to be complicit with the imbalances that exist in the structure but rather be more proactive in how we might bring greater um, voice to um, these amazing women artists so this initiative that we're doing for this year as i mentioned presenting um, seven major exhibitions throughout the year because as much as the focus this year is indeed in presenting these series of special exhibitions, at the end of the day, the only way we can move the needle long-term is in addition to exhibitions, making a a commitment uh, towards uh, acquiring and accessioning more works by women artists into our permanent collection. So while the focus is launched for this year, this is indeed part of a a longer term and more ongoing commitment on our part as an American art museum. As you focus on women artists over the course of this year, where are you um, when it comes to women in art administration, so to speak, in museums. Are you an anomaly? I'm happy to say that I'm not, which I think is, on the one hand, the good news. Over the years, there have been um, an increasing number of women director and CEOs in many museums. So that's a good sign, and I think progress is being made there. However, when you drill down a little bit further, there still exists um, some disparities as it pertains to two particular areas. One is that um, amidst all of the women directors of these museums, there still exists a minority of women leaders in museums with significant operating budgets. So if you look at museums, I think over the $30 million operating budget range, then the number of women leaders significantly goes down. Um, So in terms of smaller, more uh, mid-range museums, the rise in women uh, leaders is on the uh, the increase. We still have uh, a little bit of ways to go in terms of those top museums with significantly larger operating budgets. So that's one area that still needs some work. The other is that within the broader spectrum of uh, women leaders in museums and in the art field, there still exists a pay gap. I think, I believe uh, women were still, and I hope I have this quote right, I think it was 74 cents to to the dollar, to every dollar that a male director makes. 
So that is still um, some work that we have ahead of us. But I think all of these issues, whether they are about women museum professionals, whether they are about women artists, all of this starts out with bringing greater awareness and consistently making this a topic of discussion so that we can continue to, to strive to make changes. And one of the first things that it requires is a certain level of consistency and intentionality and commitment. And that's something that uh, we at the New Britain Museum are committed to do. I am also committed to do, and many of my other colleagues in the field are also committed to doing so. I, I am hopeful and optimistic that that will contribute to change. That's reassuring. I think for me, at least, the best way forward is to remain diligent and vigilant because, you know, we can all make changes small and large so long as we are consistent. And what we can do as a museum, as an institution, to really contribute to creating real cultural change and making women's presence felt more as part of the norm and the normal rather than an exceptional practice in fields like art and even beyond, because this exists across all sectors. I think it's done so as we make this very, very conscious effort to reflect a more accurate depiction of the demographics of the general public, as we have been doing at this museum, not just in terms of race and ethnicity, as we've been doing, but also in terms of gender. Well, you know, I have to pick up on that. To quote you, we can make changes small and large. (laughs) You live that credo. Look at what you did all on your own. You made changes and you forged ahead because you wanted to. And that speaks volumes. You have been incredibly inspiring, Min. And I think that that's what's so great about this podcast, about meeting women like you who just have this sense of self. And yeah, you know, sometimes it's like pushing a rock up a hill and sometimes it's, my gosh, again. But we forge on and we're grateful for women like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I, I am, I do feel very blessed and very fortunate first and foremost, because um, I have received such wonderful support uh, from my family, from my friends, from my community. It can be a very tough job if you're in it alone, but in knowing that you have others who support you is really a, a tremendous vote of confidence that propels me forward. But I also came here to this country and continue to uh, be here really reveling in the kinds of opportunities that are made available so long as one has the passion and the drive and the ambition to do so alongside with that support. So it it has really been uh, a wonderful lived experience for me in the present and one that I hope to continue to contribute in in a multitude of ways with the help and support from, from everyone around me. Well, that's a great way to end with that kind of optimism. You're very inspirational. You really are, Min. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Sandy. This has been a wonderful conversation, and I want to thank you for having me on your show. Well, it's totally my pleasure. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.